Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Rusk Report program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on the Bet AM 1520. We have a prominent New York City business leader, Josh Eisen, with us today. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about him. He's a father raising three children in Harrison, New York. Josh Eisen is the son of a Holocaust survivor a man who later escaped the communist before arriving in the United States. Josh Eisen earned an MBA and a PhD from Columbia University, a master's degree from New York University, and a bachelor's degree from Queens College. Since 2000, Josh Eisen has started up and acquired companies in general, professional, and educational services and such as translations, background checks, and after-school programming. One of our more prominent business leaders in the state of New York, a great role model for all of us, Josh Eisen. Let's uh, talk about your vision for a prouder, stronger, and safer New York State, Josh Eisen. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity. As you said, I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I've lived here my whole life. I love this state, would never live anywhere else. And clearly the direction in which the state is headed is not a good one. Crime is up. We have this insane migrant crisis that is 100% the creation of Kirsten Gillibrand and the radical left and their total disregard of law and order. So there's a lot of work to be done, but... I think I know what needs to be done and how to do it. So you think the crime situation, you think a lot of this is due to cashless bail, that criminals uh, get arrested and then they let them out? They have appearance tickets? Cashless bail is just another symptom, another example of lawmakers virtue signaling instead of actually trying to make laws that make sense for communities where judges might have more discretion, where maybe juries decide people's fates rather than prosecutors and public defenders who cut plea deals all the time. So there's deep, deep systemic problems in our criminal justice system, and the result is going to be more crime when it doesn't need to happen. And there's a further issue of criminalizing all sorts of activities that aren't crimes. I'm sure many... New Yorkers and many Republicans especially can think of 
people who are now being prosecuted and being denied their Sixth Amendment constitutional right to a quick and speedy trial by a jury of their peers. So this is something that's been going on for a long time. And when you don't go after the real criminals and you let really dangerous criminals walk because of some quirk in a cashless bail law, that's a problem. And yes, that's going to certainly contribute to an increase in crime. Now, I'm taping this program to 17 states and much of Canada, but I've seen so many video news releases uh, showing the subways in New York City with stabbings, knifings. Uh, it seems like very dangerous, a lot of homeless people defecating in the subway cars. Uh, tell us about the crime in the subways in New York City. Look, uh, the, the the situation in New York City, especially under de Blasio, who is an extreme radical left-wing maniac, was horrible. There were heroin addicts literally just walking on the street and then stopping and standing there in a complete stupor. It was a horrible situation. It's a little bit better now since uh, uh, the new mayor took over, but still the problems are enormous. You could see this mayor has no power over the radical left in the city council that just passes one law after another that literally make no sense. And they pretend to advocate for the poor people, for the people in the NYCHA projects, for the people who need government assistance. And yet all they do is everything in their power to keep the people who are down and in poverty in poverty and keep them down and keep them in government assistance. There's so many ways to bring people outside of the lives of poverty in these urban centers like New York or Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, and the radical left politicians, Kirsten Gillibrand, they sit idly by and they do absolutely nothing when the tools to solve real problems are right in front of them. Let's talk about winning elections and changing. You talked about the threat of the radical left and how it's uh, destroying the state of New York and the country. How can you win elections when you have such a radical left? Josh Eisen. Look, you don't have to ask the question, how do you win an election? We know how you win an election. You get more votes than your opponent. Lee Zeldin came within 5% of winning, and that was a tremendous accomplishment, especially when you consider the differential between Democrat and Republican registered voters in the state. So there's definitely a path to overcoming the discrepancy, and the Democrats are making it very easy. Look at their policies. Their policies are just horrible, and Kirsten Gillibrand stands behind every single one of those horrible policies. So I'm pretty confident that the differential um, between Republicans and Democrats on Election Day is only going to narrow from 5% to something significantly smaller. And perhaps this is the year that Republicans once again win a statewide office. I'm very close with uh, Governor Pataki, with whom I've traveled to Ukraine and accomplished other humanitarian uh, accomplishments in Israel and elsewhere in the world. And he always says the way you beat an incumbent is you beat the incumbent. They're the champ. So if you want to beat the champ, you can't be standing after 12 rounds and hope the judges give it to you. you got to knock them out. And Kirsten Gillibrand and the radical left have imposed the worst set of radical left policies on the people of the state. 
And I think the people of the state are wisening up. And this could be the year that they boot her out. Zeldin came close. The congressional Republican majority was won in New York State. So there is certainly a path to victory. And the most important thing is fighting and fighting and fighting as hard as we can to win it. You talked about the Ukraine. I've been there to Kiev and Lviv when Pope John Paul II was there. There were a million people at both of the papal audiences in the two cities. They love John Paul II. Let's talk about the uh, Ukraine. Uh, uh, much of the country is destroyed, uh, tens of thousands of deaths with the war, with the evil of Vladimir Putin. Let's talk about the situation and the needs of the Ukraine. Josh Eisen. Yeah, look, the needs of Ukraine are obvious. And there are a lot of countries all over the world that have all kinds of needs. And the United States obviously has some responsibility to some of those needs around the world. I don't think any Republican would say to you, we have to cut off all foreign aid or all foreign involvement. We obviously are an international superpower. If not the only international superpower, we have a responsibility. Um, I think the issue with Ukraine is the cynicism with which it's been approached. Hundreds of billions of dollars have been spent. No reasonable goal has even been articulated, let alone accomplished. We don't know what we're fighting for. And it's very clear that the nature of the weapons that are being sent to the Ukrainians to fight are nowhere near the best weapons that we have. We're sending them our A-team or our double-A-team when they need major league weapons. They don't have F-35s. They still don't have the F-16s. This is a war that if the U.S. was actually fighting it, would have been over in a matter of days. For some reason, the Ukrainians are just getting enough to get by. They're getting everything they need except what they really need. And it's obvious uh, that they're not getting everything they need. I think there's an irony over here also that for generations, we built our military and the doctrine in the Pentagon was that we build this military to fight a war in Belarus, in Ukraine, against a large Russian army. Here is the war that our army has been built for for generations, and yet when the chance to fight it comes, we kind of demur, even though the Ukrainians were willing to shed the blood and fight this war for us. So I think there is something wrong in giving a country hundreds of billions of dollars, but only enough for them to bleed and bleed, but not enough for them to actually win or accomplish a significant military objective. So I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, and pouring more money into it without really giving Ukraine the tools to win is a puzzling is a puzzling suggestion to me, but we'll see how uh, Biden plays it out. And I think the world is watching and waiting to see what happens between Congress and Senate now. Josh Eisen with the war in, in the Ukraine against Putin. Are the Ukrainians winning this war? Where do you see it today? Um, I mean, right now the war is a straight up stalemate. And it's very clear that even with American support, American support is really just designed to maintain the stalemate. That's clearly what it's looked like for the first almost two years of the war. Um, but we'll see what the uh, the strategy is going forward. It's, it's really tough. Republicans are losing an appetite 
to continue funding something when there's zero accountability and there's also uh, zero results. On the humanitarian side, it's even more catastrophic that $20 billion is just sitting in the State Department, not even being spent. And there's a lot of, um, just a lot of incompetence surrounding the uh, humanitarian aid. For those who have just tuned in to the Rusk Report, you're listening to the BET AM 1520 with 50,000 watts of clear channel power, blanketing 17 states and much of Canada. Our guest today is prominent New York State business leader Josh Eisen, tremendous success story in both education and in business. If you're listening in Buffalo, Manhattan, Montreal, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk. Care of the Rusk Report, Bet AM 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. I'd like to tell a little bit more about Josh Eisen. He has actively volunteered to provide crisis support locally and humanitarian services internationally when called upon. This includes the delivery of over 10,000 meals to the elderly and homebound during the pandemic, as well as the development and execution of the Governor George Pataki Leadership Center's humanitarian efforts in the Ukraine. Josh Eisen, our guest today on the Rusk Report on the BET AM 1520. You were talking about changes in attitudes towards crime and running the state of New York. Do you think the tide is changing in a more conservative direction, Josh Eisen? I certainly do believe the tide is changing. I think the polling demonstrates that if you look at the numbers and the age groups of people who are being polled, the younger you go, the more likely a citizen of New York is to register as a Republican. Among 18 to 24-year-olds, there are certain counties downstate where you'd be surprised, but uh, 18 to 24-year-old is more likely to register as a Republican than as a Democrat. Things are definitely changing. In the Bronx, uh, Councilwoman Christy Marmorata, a Republican, won a council seat. The first time a Republican won a city council seat in the Bronx, in I think in this century, over 20 years. So that was a tremendous victory. And we're only going to build on that. I was at an event in the Bronx where the county chairman was expecting 20 people to show up to this Republican County Committee event, and 120 people showed up. And it was really impressive to see. I think a lot of people are, I wouldn't say, changing their uh, registration, you know, from Democrat to Republican, but I think many people are now Republican curious because the Democrats really turned them off. It's encouraging. It's very important to have a two-party system in New York State and nationally. Now, you're a son of a Holocaust survivor. Could you tell us of this um, experience uh, that your family survived? Yeah, my father was um, born in 1923. He was Hungarian when the uh, Nazis came into Hungary. It was late in the war in 1944. And his whole family was taken to a ghetto and ultimately shipped off to Auschwitz, where his father was uh, murdered in a gas chamber and then burnt in an oven. Um, His sisters and his mother survived. 
His two other brothers died in forced labor. A third brother also died in concentration camps. After surviving the Nazis, he moved back to Hungary to run his uh, family's vineyards and winery. Um, but then the communists came in, and he had to flee them as well. And he came to the United States in uh, 57 with those experiences. And at the age of just barely 33, 34, 40 years, 34 years old, really hard to imagine having gone through all that um, at that at such a young age. Um, but my father did it, and um, yeah, there are many people who went through that, and thank God I don't know from such uh, troubles, but um, I certainly heard the stories from my father, and uh, quite quite a story, I, I, I must tell you. And if you're interested, the specifics are on the Shoah website, and there have been uh, some little vignettes made about him and his experience. Um, both in the concentration camps and as a slave laborer at the BMW factory, which is why you won't ever see me uh, driving a BMW. My father was a doctor, and he was in Poland when it was destroyed, and <laughs> he said he wouldn't buy a German car because there were still Nazis on the assembly lines. Well, he died 50 years ago, but um, he had the uh, same attitude. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, let's talk about the ordeal um, your father suffered under a communist regime. Uh, what was that like? Well, my father was an anti-communist um, from an early age. Before the whole communist thing happened in Hungary, he was not a communist. He was an ardent anti-communist, so he never joined the party. And his experience was unlike most of the people in Hungary because... He was actually a, a, a political enemy of the party. So when the Russians rolled in, he literally had to escape. And I was able to find the record where, as he told me the story, he was added to a military transport at the last minute. They weren't even going to put him in a refugee camp because his life would have been in danger over there. He was really somebody who was a political asylee. He was somebody who was being persecuted for his political beliefs. And uh, he came to the United States, and thankfully the United States protected him. But his name was added to that military transport list uh, at the last minute. You can see it's in alphabetical order. And then the 48th or 49th name is his out of alphabetical order. So um, it must have been some ordeal. Again, I, it's hard for me to relate to having to escape a country to another country and to still feel unsafe and then to get to the United States and to feel that safety and that relief getting to these shores uh, is something most Americans can never experience because we are already here. It's like if you are a Catholic, you can't convert to Catholicism. You, you can never have that experience. Um, so I think as Americans, we just have to really cherish uh, what we have because I do know firsthand how hard it was before my father got here. And is your father still with us? Unfortunately, he passed away in uh, 2002. Well, he sounds like a very and, um, a courageous man, the father of Josh Eisen. Yes. For those who just yeah, tuned, he was a courageous man. Yeah, sounds like a wonderful person. For those who just tuned into the Rusk Report on the Bet AM 1520, we're speaking to New York State business leader Josh Eisen. I'd like to thank those who called regarding our recent guests, Cliff Bell and Stan Coleman, regarding the the uh, Black American Museum, and Stuart Bernstein, who was U.S. Ambassador to Denmark. 
If you have any thoughts or comments, please write to Brian Rusk, Bet AM 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. I'd like to thank Rob Cole, a veteran administrator with the Pataki administration who suggested this program. A little bit more information about Josh Eisen. He is a board member of the George Pataki Leadership Center and of the Guardian Angels, which is run by Curtis Sliwa, who appears on WABC Radio with John Katsimatidis. Our guest today, a New York State business leader, Josh Eisen. Now, you have a tremendous educational background, MBA and PhD from Columbia University, master's degree from New York University, and a bachelor's degree from Queens College. Let's talk about your educational background and how it's helped you with your career. Josh? Hello? Yes, yeah. My educational background has uh, made a difference, obviously, in my career. When you learn things, you obviously are enhancing yourself. I majored in Greek and Latin, and I think the actual substance of what I majored in is less important than the fact that Greek and Latin in any language or mathematics or accounting, those are classes that you can fail. If you don't actually know the language, you will not be able to pass the tests. Today we live in a world where so many kids go to school and take courses that you cannot fail. I had, I, I had an opportunity to teach at Columbia University. I taught there for three and a half years, and I never gave anybody less than like a B or a B minus except for one guy who plagiarized, and I think we gave him a D. So the whole system there was set up in my department, in the religion department, not to really fail people. And I, I kind of agree with that general pedagogical approach. But when you're paying sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, there needs to be more rigor, there needs to be more discipline. And when I went to school, there was a lot more rigor, a lot more discipline. I went to Queens College, as you said, because my parents weren't going to spend, at that time, I think sixteen or $17,000 a year on Columbia. Uh, Queens College at the time was $700 a semester. So that's just a radical difference from what the cost of education is today. And we need to really take a look, uh, a hard look at education today. And I frankly think that all the loan subsidies from the government need to end. The non-for-profit tax exempt status for places like Harvard and Columbia that are just buying up real estate and essentially engaging in business ventures needs to end. And tuitions will then naturally come down and fewer students will consider getting ridiculous educations. The government can then incentivize those courses like calculus and, and, and subjects like engineering, civil engineering, mechanical engineering, electronics engineering, computer science, those, those courses of study that require real rigor and discipline that are international interest, those should be subsidized if not completely paid for by the government. If anything, perhaps we should incentivize kids, pay them money to study those courses. But instead, we're just giving away tons of money to let students, essentially children, 18-year-old kids, we're giving them $200,000 to just do whatever they want. They get to decide whatever courses they take. It's total absurdity. Um, so I have a lot to say about the uh, university system today. Thankfully, I took it very seriously. I experienced the rigor and the discipline, and I feel that I did learn a lot. Especially, I learned what it means to be disciplined and to experience rigor in the pursuit of uh, mastering a subject. So that was a valuable experience, one that I think today many kids are deprived of. 
Now, Josh Eisen is a prominent business leader in New York City. Let's talk about the companies you started up and acquired in in general professional and educational services. Josh Eisen. Yeah, I mean, I own um, and invest and also operate different companies in the general professional services space. So most of our clients are either lawyers, human resources, directors, or people in human resources at companies of different sizes, um, and then educational institutions. And some of the companies we've owned and sold include translations companies, background check companies, companies that evaluate educational systems or degrees, um, those that verify um, education internationally. So a lot of very niche kind of businesses that require a certain level of expertise, but uh, industries where you got to work hard. I'm not in any kind of fancy startup or some kind of industry where I can, you know, hope one day to work very few hours and make billions of dollars. Like we work hard for our money. Thankfully we do well. And the people who work with us also do well. And we're very proud of uh, the, the numbers of people who've come through our companies and have gone on either to work at companies that are considered uh, reputable in the country or have gone on and we're most proud of this to start their own businesses. And many, many people who've come and gone through our companies are now millionaires and uh, very uh, prominent people in their community. So we're very proud of what we've accomplished uh, on multiple levels in our businesses. We have uh, a few minutes left. You were involved with the delivery of over 10,000 meals for the elderly and homebound during the pandemic. Tell us about that, Josh Eisen. Yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, it was, um, you know, early on in the pandemic, before the politics kind of took over, it was um, a difficult time. Many people were scared. And this was a situation that cut across all financial demographics. People were afraid to leave their home. So you had millionaires, perhaps even billionaires, who lived on Fifth Avenue in Central Park West, to whom I delivered meals. And at the same time, I was delivering meals into Nitro Projects, into Co-op City. And what was incredible is that I was working with politicians and leaders from all parts of the political spectrum early on in the pandemic, before we kind of really knew what hit us. I think there were there was a lot of fear and people like me were very sympathetic to elderly people, people who were cancer victims undergoing chemotherapy. They were scared to death to go outside. Can you imagine you're worried about catching something? I mean, the the fear that was instilled in everybody was palpable. And, um, yeah, it was quite, a, you know, quite an experience running around. Um, but I'll say one thing the traffic in New York City at the time was like Christmas morning, every day, all day long, to go from the Upper West Side of Manhattan to Co-op City in the East Bronx in 18 minutes or whatever it was, it was unthinkable on uh, today or at any other time. But um, that was just a very unique moment. And um, yeah, you know, in a way I miss it, just that level of working together without thinking about the politics or anything beyond just hey, if this person needs food, we're going to get food to this person. And that was a day-to-day battle, you know, milk, eggs, fish. These are things that don't last more than a couple of days. So we were doing this, uh, you know, three, four times a week. Wonderful. I'm sorry I have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. We've been talking to Josh Eisen, prominent prominent New York State business leader, very well-educated, accomplished man who's given a lot of volunteer service 
to the state of New York and internationally. Special thanks to Rob Cole for recommending this program and to Kevin Carr, our director of production for the last 15 years. Thank you for enlightening us, New York State business leader Josh Eisen. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.